Good morning. We're glad to be with you today, celebrating the Advent season. Would you join us in singing Go Tell It on the Mountain? Come on. Come on. Why not? Oh. continue our season of Advent, we'll be looking at two passages from Matthew. The first one is in Matthew 1, 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. 
and Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. So this month we've been looking at these classic Advent postures. We looked at the posture of waiting on God. Last week we looked at the posture of repentance. And this morning we celebrate this great Christmas reality of Emmanuel, God with us. We want to talk about what it means to practice the presence of God, to acknowledge this God who is with us in all things, especially in the year 2020. It's interesting, Matthew, as he tells the story of Jesus, he bookends the story with this promise of Emmanuel. He begins, of course, with the story of Mary and Joseph and this promise that, of this child who would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then he ends his story with Jesus, with the 11 disciples, sending them out on this great mission. And the final verse of the book is this promise, I will be with you always. So we see Emmanuel, God with us from start to finish. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas time. The fact that we have this God who didn't remain distant and aloof up there, but in the person of Jesus Christ entered into our experience, became one of us so that he could be with us. He could be present with us in a way that we could see and touch and feel and experience in a profound way. And I, I was just last week, I was reminded of the power of with, the power of presence with. So our, our youngest daughter has been uh, struggling to stay asleep at night. And the problem is we've watched some cartoons that have some bad guys in it. And so she's waking up scared of the bad guys in the middle of the night. And so I've been trying to rationalize with our five-year-old and tell her, so honey, this is just a cartoon, like the headless horseman. You know, he's it really, he's only like this big and we, someone just drew him on a piece of paper and really we could just take that piece of paper and crumple it up, you know, and throw it in the trash. That's all it is. And so the other day, Josie comes out uh, in the morning and we're sitting on the couch together. She goes, daddy, I, I like it when mommy comes in more than you in the middle of the night. And I said, why is that? She said, well, because you talk about the cartoons and all that but mommy just comes and holds me. And I thought, oh, honey. And in the end, what she's looking for is not someone to try to rationalize and help with her, but she's just looking for someone to be with her, someone to be present. There's, there's a power in with. There's a power in someone simply being present with us. There's such a comfort in that. Uh, at the same time, I've been struck uh, this year as I've studied the Christmas story um, of what... Emmanuel meant for the original people in the story, both Mary and Joseph and the 11 disciples at the end of the, of the story. And then really what's true is while with can be very comforting, uh, the reality of Emmanuel was that he was anything but comfortable. And he, he, the, the promise of Emmanuel did not necessarily bring a, a comfortable and safe life. It brought adventure. It brought uh, conflict. It brought challenge, it brought surprise, it even brought suffering, but at the same time, it brought joy and meaning and purpose and transformation. 
And so I want to talk about that, that dynamic this morning of what Emmanuel meant for them back then and then what Emmanuel can mean for us today, especially at the end of this crazy year we've been a part of in 2020. All right, so let's look at this first passage, uh, the Matthew 1 passage, the story of Joseph and Mary, and particularly the story of Joseph. Uh, Matthew gives his Christmas story through the eyes of Joseph. And I found it interesting this morning that Matthew begins his story by introducing us to a couple who are on the brink of divorce. He introduces us to the situation where Joseph finds out that his fiance, his future life partner, is pregnant. Uh, and he knows he's not the father. And so you can imagine, you know, the excitement that he had, the expectation for starting this new life, and then to discover this news and to feel the anger, the confusion, the shock, uh, the sense of betrayal, and, and all that that would mean for him. And then on top of that, this is a very conservative Jewish religious, you know, small town environment. And so the fact that Mary is pregnant would, would bring great shame on her and her family, and then potentially shame on Joseph for his connection with her. And so he's, it says he's a righteous man and he decides to cut ties with her, but in a way that's going to be discreet, that's going to try to avoid as much shame as possible. And then of course what happens is he encounters this angel in a dream and he discovers that in fact this little baby inside of his fiance is a miracle baby. Verse 20, that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And he gets this news that she is pregnant with God's own son, with the Messiah, and he is to raise the Messiah. Quite, a, quite an assignment. And so it says in verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. So I imagine prior to the wedding day, he takes her into his home to be his wife. And what that would mean, essentially, is that he chooses to absorb her shame. Rather than the shame being hers, he brings her into his home, and he now has to take on that shame in the town. Because everyone's going to assume that either the kid is his, which would be a shameful thing in that environment, or the kid is not his, and he's marrying her anyways, which would also be a shameful thing. So all that to say... The presence of Emmanuel for Joseph actually meant challenge. It meant conflict and betrayal and, and shame and, and all sorts of unknowns. And, and that doesn't end with the birth of Emmanuel. That go, it continues throughout the story. If you go to chapter 2, you hear about the story of King Herod, who hears about this, this one who's born king of the Jews. And in his insecurity, he sends people to, to slaughter all the, the baby boys that would be around Jesus' age. And so this puts Joseph and his family in grave danger. And he gets another vision from an angel in a dream in verse 13. This is chapter 2. The angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So Joseph wakes up, leaves by night, the middle of the night, and packs up and sets off on a long journey to another country, to another kingdom, to the kingdom of Egypt. And they settle in Egypt as foreigners for several years. We don't know exactly how long. But you just imagine Joseph. I mean, here's a guy who was a small town guy his whole life, right? Just a carpenter having to take your new family to a country you've probably never been to, this completely different culture and environment, 
and really just starting all over, having to find work, having to try to find community until this angel tells you it's okay to come back. All that to say, you know, Joseph, the presence of Emmanuel meant that he was thrown into this story, the set of responsibilities that he didn't ask for, um, that he was in way over his head. And yet there's also such blessing and privilege that came with the presence of Emmanuel. I mean, we don't have hardly any stories about this, but what it must have been like to raise the Son of God, the Messiah. And undoubtedly, Jesus would have been a, an extremely unique child. His presence in a family would have been very unique. But you can imagine just these quiet moments at the house, in the field, raising the Son of God, teaching him how to use a hammer, you know, the tools of the trade. And what an honor and privilege those moments must have been. All that to say, Emmanuel, for Joseph, was this very mixed bag of adventure, challenge, but also beauty and wonder and surprise. And I would guess if you were to ask him at the end of the day, he'd say, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Sure, it was, it was crazy, but Emmanuel, I got to experience Emmanuel. All right, so now let's go to the end of Matthew's gospel. And the story turns to these 11 guys, the disciples, uh, who had now at this point experienced Emmanuel for three years. They had been called by Jesus. They had walked with Jesus. They had lived with Jesus. They had been taught by Jesus. They had seen him at work in so many different contexts. They had watched him die. They had seen him the day he was raised. Uh, it had been a crazy ride. And now he's returning to his Father in heaven. And I love the description of, of uh, the disciples in verse 17. This is, you know, the last encounter they'll have with Jesus uh, in his physical form. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. After all they've been through, you've got this kind of ragtag group of guys who are this complex combination of worship and doubt in that moment. I feel like what a, what a relatable description that is. Worship and doubt. That, yep, that's, that's about us. And they're given this crazy assignment from Jesus. Verse 19, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations. That's pretty broad, right? Go out into all the nations and make Jesus followers. And then they're left with this beautiful promise at the end of Matthew's gospel, verse 20. And look, I am with you always to the very end of the age. In all your adventures, I will be with you. And I love that word, always. I will be Emmanuel with you always. In every journey, in every trial, in every encounter, I am always with you. In the good and the bad, in your successes, in your failures, I am with you always. And of course, he would be with them now in a new form through his Holy Spirit, which he would pour out on them at Pentecost. It would be his Holy Spirit with them from then on. And I was fascinated this week. I realized that the same promise that was made to Mary is the same promise that was made to the disciples and ultimately made to us. So in Luke 1, the angel comes to Mary with this promise that the, that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, right? And you'll give birth. And that's the exact same promise made to the disciples in Acts 1. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses. God's own presence, the presence of Jesus through his spirit now with his disciples, equipping them for the task that he's given them. And those of you who have read Acts know how the story goes and, and what a ride it was to be with Emmanuel and Emmanuel's spirit. It was about adventures and 
um, miracles and healings and conversions and fame at certain times and just this amazing ride and yet also challenges and suffering and shame publicly, persecution, eventually even death. Crazy ride with Emmanuel, the spirit of Emmanuel. But again, as with Joseph, I'm pretty sure that if we could, at the end of their lives, talk to each of the disciples and say, was it worth it? They'd say, man, it was crazy. It was hard. And we wouldn't trade it for the world because we had Emmanuel. We had God with us. And his presence is greater than anything this life offers. It is the one thing in life that we can count on, Emmanuel. So here we are now at the end of uh, a crazy year, 2020. Uh, And it's been quite an adventure, hasn't it? And I use that word adventure, not in the best sense of that word. And I think many of us probably relate. We feel like the disciples at the end of this year, a mixture of doubt and worship. And really not much that we can count on circumstantially. But I want to remind us of this good news that God is with us. That Jesus Emmanuel continues to be with his people as our companion, as our friend, uh, as our shepherd, as our king. And his spirit is present in our lives to comfort and to encourage and to convict and to heal and to guide. And so I want to invite us, this is kind of our final week of celebrating Advent, into this simple posture at the end of this Advent season of practicing the presence of Emmanuel, practicing the presence of God with us. And what I mean by that is this simple posture of inviting Jesus into the moments of our days and recognizing that he is in fact with us no matter what our days hold. And I was thinking about it this week. I think there's, there's two postures that are really important to our, our, our intimacy, our relationship with God. Um, they are the postures of what I would call retreating and receiving. And let me just describe these for a second before I wrap up. So the posture in the posture of retreating, what we do is we intentionally retreat. We withdraw. Um, we, we pull back from the responsibilities and the business of life so that we can attend and be with God in an uninterrupted way, in a more focused way. And you see Jesus doing this throughout his ministry, right? He'll, at, at, before sunrise, he'll, he'll withdraw, he'll retreat, he'll retreat to be with his heavenly father, to pray, to be filled up, and then he'll engage in his responsibilities. Or he'll be with the crowds, and then he'll retreat and be alone with God and then re-engage. And each of us, it's an important discipline for us. Some of us do that at the beginning of our days, right? We, before we get into the responsibilities of the day, we retreat to be in God's word, to be in prayer, and then we dive into the, the thick mess that is our day. Some of us do that at the end of the day. But it's so important to have these pockets daily, weekly, monthly of retreat to be with the Lord. But what I want to especially invite us into uh, today is this other posture, which I would call the posture of receiving. And what I mean by that is it's a posture of when you are right in the mess of a day, right in the the responsibilities of, of the tasks before you, the challenges, whatever it is you're experiencing, to just stop right in that moment and to actively and intentionally receive God's presence with you right in the thick of it. To just stop and say, here I am, Lord, in the mess of my day, thank you 
that you are with me right now. And I want to actively invite you into what I'm experiencing right in this moment. Um, because the reality is in this moment, I actually can't retreat. I can't retreat from what I'm, what I'm in the thick of. I'm stuck in this, but I can be mindful of your presence with me right now. And I think there's different seasons of life that lend themselves more to retreat and receiving. Like for instance, uh, for me, college was a great time of retreat. Um, I had lots of free time and I had not a lot of responsibility. And so I did a ton of retreating that time. I can remember going down to the, the beach for you know a couple hours and just spending time in prayer, uh, spending time just enjoying God's creation, just, just pulling away from life. And my life afforded me so many sweet moments of intimacy with Jesus through retreat. And then I can remember the early uh, parenting stage, which felt very different, uh, which was much more an opportunity to receive because in that time I was waking up and I wasn't waking up to a two-hour quiet time or a 20-minute quiet time. I was waking up to a crying baby and a diaper that needed to be changed and a house that was messy and a full day of work ahead of me and, you know, repeat. And so that time lend itself more to, Lord, I can't retreat in the same ways I used to. And so what I need to do is I just need to receive your presence right now in the mess of this day. I need to say, Lord, will you be with me? I need to invite you actively. I don't want to do this on my own and I can't get out of this. So I want to just actively invite you into this moment and say, Lord, be Emmanuel. Help me to walk through this faithfully. And I say that because I I really think for 2020, both of those postures are really good, but I especially want to invite us into this posture of receiving. (laughs) Because I think many of us, uh, we've been thrown into things that we didn't expect, that we can't control, and that we're stuck in, we can't get out of. We can't retreat and withdraw from. For some of us, that's been uh, being stuck in grief or stuff, stuck in frustration or anxiety or fear or disappointment or loss or any number of things. And so I think the posture for us is this posture of receiving right in the mess of that. Say, Lord, and I invite you into this moment. I need you to be with me. I need you to be Emmanuel for me right now. Just like my little daughter in the end just needed someone to hold her in those moments. That that's the posture, Lord. I just need to know you're with me. And I need to do this independence on you and entrust in you. So, Emmanuel, I invite you to be Emmanuel right in the mess of what I'm experiencing right now. And as I was thinking about that posture, I was reminded this week of the story of Brother Lawrence. And I want to end uh, with him. Many of you are familiar with him through the book, Practicing the Presence of God. But uh, Brother Lawrence was, was a guy who was born to peasant parents in 17th century France. And as a young man, he entered the 30, year, 30 years war um, and was injured and ended up with a limp that he carried through the rest of his life. And let me just, dis- just read a description of him that I, I was recently reminded of. Uh, so he was assigned, oh, sorry, he, he was converted uh, to Christianity at this powerful conversion moment. And then he entered a monastery where he lived for the rest of his life. Let me just read this. Uh, He was assigned to the monastery kitchen where he performed the tedious chores of cooking and cleaning at the constant bidding of his superiors. And over time, his physical limitations, his limp, made that contribution impossible. So he became the monastery's sandal maker, a job that allowed him to sit and mend some 200 pairs of sandals worn by the clerics and lay brothers. And it was in this very mundane context that he developed his spirituality, which is articulated in this book, Practicing the Presence of God. And what he would do is in that context that he was in, 
he would simply actively and intentionally practice God's presence with him in the daily menial tasks of his life. Washing dishes, cooking meals, mending sandals. And let me just read to you one quote from Brother Lawrence himself. I love this. Here's what he says. Let it be your business to keep your mind in the presence of the Lord. We need only to recognize God intimately present with us. To to address ourselves to him every moment that we might rightly perform the tasks he gives us, offering them to him before we do them, and giving thanks to him when we have done them. Nor is it needful that we should have great things to do. We can do little things for God. I turn the cake that is frying on the pan for love of him. And I just love that picture of actively practicing God's presence in the menial tasks or the challenging tasks and doing our daily tasks in dependence on him and for love of him. And so I invite you into that posture, practicing the presence of Emmanuel this year. It seems the very fitting posture at the end of a very trying year. And what I love about that is if we can continue to practice his presence, then I think over time we'll recognize that God himself actually is the goal of our lives. That experiencing him is the end that we were created for. And when we're able to recognize that, then we don't have to fear the circumstantial outcomes of our lives. Because the truth will be every new circumstance is simply a fresh opportunity to experience Emmanuel in a new and different way. So let's right now even take a moment and Mark will lead us through a time of practicing the presence of Emmanuel, the one who says to us, I will never leave you or forsake you. And look, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This work, this practice of actively acknowledging and receiving God's presence with us is such a profoundly important part of what it means to walk with God in faith. How can we ever really surrender our lives to God? Do hard things for His sake, sacrificial things. Obey Him when the going gets tough. Experience peace when circumstances don't seem to call for it, if we don't really trust Him. How can we trust Him if we don't know Him? And how can we know Him, not just on an academic knowing level, but a deep relational knowing, if we don't spend time being with Him? That's what we're talking about today. So let's take some time to attend to opening to God's presence right now. Wherever you are, whoever you're with, close your eyes with me and let's enter into his presence. As your eyes are closed, be aware of God's presence in the room. Be comfortable in his presence, remembering that he is sovereign. He loves you. He is your father. You are his child. Now take a moment to consider what's going on in your life right now. And as you do, identify one issue or area of your life that is particularly challenging or messy or anxiety-producing or frustrating for you.
And as that thing enters your mind, say, Lord, here I am. He knows what burdens you. He cares. And He desires that you release that burden to Him and rest in His presence. Let's take a moment to sit in His presence right now. Father, here we are. You are here with us. You know us. You know what is pressing in on us. And you care. Lord, we want to be people who long to be with you and who take time to rest in your presence. May our mindfulness of you and who you are serve to encourage us, comfort us, and cultivate deeper trust in you. We don't want to live life for you as if we are performing for you, but rather with you, enjoying the union we have with you through Christ. What a privilege, and we thank you. And it is in Christ's name we pray this, the one who made this spiritual reality possible in the first place. Amen. What child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Whom angels greet with anthems sweet while shepherds watch our keeping? This Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him long, the babe, the son of
hope you've been encouraged this morning, and we pray that you experience the comforting and powerful presence of Emmanuel this holiday season. And let me leave you with this benediction and invite you to consider the discussion questions on the screen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.